0: It's time for OWC Radio, Tech Talk with Creatives, conversations with host Serena Catania.
1: Today we're talking with Steve Douglas, who teaches on the North Shore of Chicago at Lake Forest High School. He teaches media, and at the moment, he's putting an emphasis on mobile filmmaking, which might be surprising to you for a media teacher at a major high school. He has a background in production at ESPN for many years, and he left ESPN and moved to St. Louis, where he began taking a lot of courses and to get qualified to teach at both the high school and the college level. Steve, thank you for being here with us. You were at ESPN for many years. I've heard that many, many times. I'm really curious about what you did there and what your specialty was.
0: Well, thank you so much, first of all, for having me. Uh, we were on a panel together in Final Cut Pro. And yeah,
1: that was fun. <laughs> amazing
0: uh, the experience, but also like being on that panel with such distinguished folks. And then, like, clearly everyone knew you. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, I can't wait to have this conversation because <laughs> everyone respected what you do. And, like, yeah, oh, I looked at the chat. It was all you and you were, yeah. So you were the, the um, pro there. And thank you so much for sharing this space uh, because this is exciting times for education. It really is a dynamic. Uh, time and I think it's great. Honestly, I think there's a lot of wins and a lot of good stuff, which we'll get to. Um, but yeah, it all kind of starts back at ESPN. That was my dream job. I, I was very fortunate uh, to get there when I was 22, just out of undergrad. Uh, went to Bristol, Connecticut, where everything is still shot to this day, uh, where they cut Sports Center, Baseball Tonight, all the different highlight shows. And I was one of about 150 people they, that applied. And they said, yeah, come on in. Uh, we'll do it. After a two-hour interview, it was insane. I got nine bucks wow. an hour, no benefits. And the <laughs> highest cost of, cost of living state in the country, Connecticut at the time. And uh, it was sink or swim for six months. And so I uh, learned from the best uh, how to be able to cut short, quick, efficient highlights. And storytelling was the most important element. And they said, hey, I don't care about your formal teaching. In fact, less is more. I don't want you to come in with preconceived notions of film and how to do this or that. We wanna train you on the most efficient model. And that's what I took from there and that's what I teach now. But I did get to learn under the gauntlet, like in extreme pressure and lost 15, 20 pounds, which was insane because of all the stress working from 6 p.m. to three, four in the morning. Um, But it made me better. Uh, I was one of four people that actually got kept. It was super competitive. It was insane. But I la- I st- stuck around, lasted for about a year and a half. But it wasn't what I really wanted to do. I didn't want to just cut highlights from random sports and to be able to roll that out. Even though that was exciting and millions of people saw my work every day as a 23-year-old, I wanted to do something more meaningful. And So I looked around and I saw education as a space to be able to do that. And I never really thought of myself as a teacher, which I think is probably the best teachers. The ones that want to like, relive high school. Those are the ones you want to kind of avoid. I think the ones that actually like, yeah, you know what, it was good, but like, I think I can make it better. And that's my entrepreneurial spirit coming out. Yeah, And that's why I became an educator.
1: Yeah. So at ESPN, though, you learned to work in a team. You learned to work quickly and efficiently. I'm sure you learned that it's all about story, as you said. It really, for all of us, it's always about the story. And you can get away with an awful lot if you mesmerize people with the story. So I've noticed that what you are doing now with the young people that you're involved with, it's all about story. It's about telling a story and changing maybe some of the gear that they're using, but it's pretty awesome. So you went from Connecticut to St. Louis, right?
0: I did. Yeah. So I did research all across the country because you're exactly right. They had it and they love story. That's why I came to ESPN, honestly, is because I love the storytelling. But it would have taken me about six years to get to the level where I could actually go out and create content for E60 or Outside the Lines or those kind of long form versions. And so that's why I love what you do here and podcasting. It's long form. People can sit, listen or watch, engage it and actually understand the full context of that person's experience and learn from it. And each time you do it, just like a good book, you pick out different things, right? And so it's such a nuanced, unique element. I went and tried to find a master's program and media literacy, which is thinking critically about media, deconstructing why it works and thinking about it. How do you build up something that makes people think, laugh, cry, a range of emotions, not just trying to entertain like Hollywood or trying to go one specific path, but really helping people understand that power that media has. And now here in the last 20 years, my goodness, right? It's taken all kinds of amazing forms and formats and the whole process has been democratized because of technology, which we'll get to, but just the platforms right. that we can now access this information, I love it. I listen to your podcast while I'm, you know, in earbuds mowing my lawn. Like 20 <laughs> years ago, you'd be like, why? What? what are you talking about, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember when MP3s first came out and I was showing them to my kids.
0: <laughs> it right.
1: was a long time ago.
0: You're like, Oh, my like, gosh. That?
1: <laughs> yeah. So at ESPN, what were you cutting on? What NLE were you using?
0: Great question. Uh, there were two AVIDs in the whole entire place. Uh, that's kidding. what I grew up in college, undergrad. I literally learned on my own with a manual with Avid, which by the way, completely like informs how I teach, which is the opposite. Like I don't deal with a manual. It's all about hands-on, constructive, get in and work it out, figure it out, focus on the story. And then we'll build in and understand how to be able to you know, use the tools to its fullest extent, because that was so frustrating for me. And I was like, oh, but nobody was there to teach me. And so I was like, how do you do this? Then I go to ESPN hands off. Only those elite, you know, folks over there can do that. And so here I am coming over the whole highlight, discussing it with a, you know, a highlight supervisor going through all these channels. So somebody else could edit it. And I'm like, mm, like holding, like, I'm like, so like, just let me do it all. Right. Like, let me go and just yeah. it, put this together. It'll happen so much quicker, but that's how it was done. So, I literally had an editor with, you know, quarter inch tape or three quarter inch tape to then half inch tape, like cutting these things together. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, <laughs> here we are. are <laughs> with the tapes. Like, what are we doing? And I could see that things were kind of loosening up, right? I had my own camera, GL2. I was editing on Avid at home. But when I'd go to ESPN, hands were tied. And I'm like, this is insane.
1: Were you using, uh, back then we used to use Media log and, and we used to sit and, and we'd go to the library. I'm telling this because this sounds like arcane, I mean, the distant past. Right. I would literally walk in to the network and I would go to the library and they would hand me the tapes that had been shot the night before. I don't know if you had to do any of this, but yeah, that's, kind of, nope, I'm with you and, yep. and, <laughs> and log you'd yep. walk down the hall with this big pile of tape. You'd put it on the desk. You'd turn on media log and you'd start literally with the tape machine. Don't ask me how the technology works. Right. just know that I'm watching things with visible time code on them and you're picking And they would the break shots. down all
0: the time. The thing would break right. and somebody had to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> then you had to give the night editor the the cuts that you wanted that's them it. to. So, Yeah. The list and of then, edits
0: and then what I we would do at ESPN because you had to turn around things really quickly, right? Is then we would have to go in and I would write out every single literally pre like setup, like play payoff. And I would mm-hmm. write all of that and give that to mm-hmm. Dan Patrick, Stewart Scott, all the folks there. And so my handwriting had to be like really good. But also wow. the editor next to me was under a time crunch. And here right. we are like watching ESPN, like we're in the commercial break and I have to like get this guy to move. So I'm going to be super chill, like as a producer, make sure he can actually do it. But I'm writing out every single piece. And if you messed up one single thing, you put two outs instead of one out. one out, they would literally write up an email every single night and they would mark out the things that you messed up. And it was like pure terror as you're under this incredible <laughs> stress. That's why I lost 15 pounds. I was like a college athlete coming into this and I was like so spent every single day because of the stress. And it's like, why? Like, why? What? Yeah. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people who don't even know about, how we used to do it back then is uh, they take for granted how easy it is right you know.
0: which yeah. i long ago given up on that dream of telling kids how hard it was cuz they're like okay all right whatever
1: uh, <laughs> you should make a grainy movie like a super 8 style right. movie with grain everywhere on how how you digitize remember cuz you have to digitize
0: it 100% <laughs> And the 15th, oh gosh. honestly, oh I lost a lot of kids when I started teaching back in even like 05, four because of that process. How do you capture? Right. Mm-hmm. And I would do it in fi- the old final cut. I would do premiere. And it was mm-hmm. like such a, a ridiculous process that I would lose creative kids. Cause they were like, I'm done step eight. I keep screwing around. I, I don't even know what I'm doing wrong. Right. Like I can't even get to the point of actually editing. Yeah. So I was like, okay. Yeah. You're right. Like soon as Final Cut 10 came out, I'm like, I'm in because I just want to put all of this onto the side and be able to jump in really quickly and help kids, right. particularly girls, get to that place of storytelling. And then mm-hmm. that's where then everything kind of flowed from there. Then we could like go through the drafting process and really kind of build a story as it happens. You get all of the needless elements of kind of how things used to be done out of the way. And you let kids particularly, and this is where I saw when final cut 10 came out, it was like a complete game changer because it, what took students, particularly girls, like a day or two to put something together was within like 10 to 20 minutes. It was like, they got it and they did it. Not only girls, but boys as well. Like, and these were kids in high school. And they started then being able to create stories that mattered and that really like meant something. And it wasn't their first, second, fifth, or seventh, but it was like, after that, they, then they started to get it. And that's the beauty of this. Um, it's become yeah. so easy and accessible and as hard as it used to be, like it's a beautiful thing now.
1: It really is exciting, isn't it? we it is. You know, we've taken away the, all of the barriers, well, not all of them, but a lot of the barriers. And, and the, the important thing that you're teaching the kids and I'm allowed to call them kids. Cause I'm a lot older Please. than they are. <laughs> I call them kids too. <laughs> the, the, the really amazing thing is that you are opening them up to allowing these stories to come to them. And this is just me gleaning from watching the videos it was so heartwarming to see them telling personal stories. So, in but in order to get there, you have to teach. So can you talk about what your curriculum is? What kind of things do you focus on when you're yeah. teaching your classes?
0: You know, even before you teach, you have to trust and you have to build that trust. And I mm-hmm. think every good teacher knows that and every good, you know, educator, but also anybody you're interacting with, you need to earn their trust to be able to, for them to tell real stories and things that they genuinely care about. A, you need Mm -hmm. to give them access. You need to open that opportunity. And so, um, the biggest challenge that I typically see with students is that they're afraid to fail. And so that's what I attack right away is getting over that fear. And that's something that I grew up with in education. And that's a big, the biggest problem within education as a whole is kind of the the test, the fear mongering, the okay, I, what do I need to do? You tell me what to do. And it's antithetical mm-hmm. to creating really meaningful content. And so you have to kind of go there. You have to kind of like figure that out before I believe you can really teach creative storytelling in real meaning. So there has to be trust, which means, you know what, we're on the same page here. We want to do this. We want to go through this process. We want this to be effective for our audience. And that's a significant difference as well. So there's a difference between me creating for me. And any kid can do that with YouTube. Any kid can do that on their phone. And they do every single day with TikTok, with Snap, with all of these apps they've been creating for a while, but they're not telling meaningful stories, even though Snap very smartly called it stories, right? And then Instagram stole that and Facebook as well. That's not real great storytelling. It's just kind of replicating or just seeing somebody else and just copying them, right? So how I see it, it's very constructive. You have to build that trust, build that confidence through repetition where they can't worry about failing. And if they do, if, and when they do, they do it quickly. And then you come alongside them and go, Hey, we're all trying to figure this out. And I tell them all the time, I've produced over 15,000 projects. and I've never made a perfect one. And I never will, but you have to have a growth mindset to go. This is what I learned from the last one. And I'm going to make it better because I that love is that you
1: said that. I love that you said that because I have never met a creative person that has told me they were finished with something, right? There's always, no matter who you are, no matter how high up on the ladder you are, there's always something else. Oh, I wish I had done this or I could have done that. Or that's just part of the process. I think we need another word for fail. I think fail is an awful word. I don't know what the replacement is, but it's, it's like, yeah, it's experimentation, you know? Maybe it's that one didn't go right. Let's find something else. And and remove that. Don't try to make it perfect. I love that you're teaching them that. I yeah, really we call do. It iteration
0: because mm-hmm. you're right. Failure is inevitable, but then you even say those things. Anything you, you know, you go with the F word, you know, fail or fear, then people just immediately tense up. You know, it's like a human reaction because we've been normed Right. Them. But if you think about it as iteration, we're always kind of continuing to go through and design thinking obviously has embraced this in the last 10 years. So it's become much more comfortable in the way that people think about it. And we all as creators in there, wow, yeah, absolutely. It's iteration. There's iterative elements to it. We're always trying to make this better. Sometimes we don't and that's okay. Uh, And so that is such, as you can imagine for an adolescent who already is trying to question kind of everything, it actually like works really well because they're taking that, that internal like challenge and it's channeling into something positive. And so yes, trust is the first part, but then it's constructive. We get the camera, the iPhone in their hands right away. And I do this with my curriculum as well. We start building and creating like the first week or two, just to make sure that they get out there and they understand the process because the process is so incredibly important. And then not to worry about the product, but just getting out there And iterating and creating, and we do it in community as well. So it's so important to be able to center them around other like-minded folks that understand kind of the culture in my classroom, which is totally different than a lot of other cultures, certainly in other subject areas. But within that creative field, you have to build in a, a feeling like you can, you know, your voice is important. It's validated. And so doing this, having conversations, asking good questions and giving them a chance to share their story early, just verbally. That's Mm -hmm. what we do in Chicago Summer Stories, what we Mm -hmm. do in my class. I don't start with a syllabus. I start with asking them questions and then they break up, they interview each other. And then you have to spend a minute to be able to introduce the other person, just getting them outside of their comfort zone so that they can feel validated and they can have somebody who takes interest in them. We as humans, we desire that. We want that. We need that.
1: And to be able to do
0: that verbally, and then it builds your confidence to scaffold that into actually doing that on camera and then building full stories.
1: That's awesome. So before we go too much further, and I do want to get back to the gear, tell people who might not know what what is Chicago Stories? What is St. Louis Stories? Because you're involved with both, right?
0: Yeah. So Chicago Summer Stories uh, was the initial kind of idea and development out of Apple, they said, hey, you know what, we want to just test out and see where people are using Final Cut Pro. And so uh, Luke, who was doing that, did it with, in LA with Sam Messman, who did an awesome job, where they actually worked with Red and like did a really high-end kind of thing. And they had three different groups. One was um, a woman who was a, a great documentary filmmaker. Another one was um, kind of an older um, individual. And then they had a group of students and what they took away from that is the students actually killed it they're the ones that did exactly what we're talking about they took what they had and they weren't mesmerized by the red as much as they thought they were they were like hey let's just go for it let's just do this and they saw so much growth out of these high school kids that luke actually came to chicago first time i met him about three or four years ago and he came to us and he's like hey we'd love to bring this to chicago what do you guys think and i'm like looking around the room over these other other educators. And I'm like, this is going to be amazing. And so I waited for a second and then I pitched the idea. I'm like, let's bring everybody in Chicago together. City, suburbs, different neighborhoods, bring everybody together to tell the stories of our city. Because we can, because otherwise we aren't and we're so separated and we're so divided. And now this was like three years ago, right? Think about it now, even more so. We had protests going down. They closed down highways that summer. It was such an interesting kind of, forbearance of what we experienced just this past summer. And it was all happening in Chicago and there's this kind of this vibe going on, but we were able to pull 12 kids, six from the city, six from the suburbs, from a variety of programs. Some had a lot of experience, others didn't have much experience at all which really didn't matter because we said, hey, we want to start and we're going to go from the first day. We're going to do exactly what I mentioned before. We're going to have conversations. We're going to get to understand each other. We're going to learn from each other and ask questions and to be able to really build those relationships that are essential for us to be able to connect and be able to build this out. First year, it was six weeks. It was a long time. We were in the city. Kids were commuting in. It was insane. It was it was a hot summer, and but yet everybody kind of pushed through, made some incredible uh, content. We asked them, what do you guys want to do? What do you want to say? How would you use this incredible opportunity? And they said, we want to tell the story of our generation because Gen Z at that point was relatively a new term. In fact, some of the kids had to Google it.
1: <laughs> but oh, that's so, funny.
0: <laughs> what, what do people need to know? What do the yeah. need to know? What do acts need to know about your generation? And they said, you know what? Really, we're all about entrepreneurship. We're all about activism. And we're also about social media. So we were like, great, let's do it. And so we took their lead. We facilitated it. We brought an amazing team around them to kind of cultivate these stories. They went out and they interviewed everybody, shot it on iPhone, used uh, Filmic Pro, which was absolutely amazing. Brought in Audigy, all these different incredible like audio pieces. Here we were like boom mics. And like, it was amazing to see the way that the kids didn't bat an eye. They took it and they're like, yeah, great. Some of these kids had experience with some of the other cameras, but like they totally changed their whole mindset around mobile filmmaking, as well as accessibility. And the coolest part was when you walk in with an iPhone and you're shooting, nobody thinks twice. When you go in with a big camera, that's a totally different story. Exactly.
1: So they exactly. Get
0: access and do things that otherwise they never would. Apple just made things happen. They opened up opportunities. Apple Music was actually in town. So they got to go to a concert, which was absolutely incredible. They were there in the pit shooting. It was, it was amazing. There are so many incredible experiences that changed their life, but really it was the process of them collaborating with kids that they never, ever would have met otherwise. And that's really one of the many special things about Summer Stories is the fact that we're bringing kids together, juniors to be seniors. So they're at that formative time in their life where they're really putting elements together, really thinking critically about their identity, their place, their culture, bringing them together to really think strategically about what stories matter to them and what could you tell that specific audience. And we showcased it at the Apple Michigan Avenue store in Chicago, and it was just the coolest thing. So packed out the place, a couple hundred people there, and these kids were rock stars. Afterwards, my favorite part is I just asked them questions, like, tell us about what you learned. And I looked at the crowd, and they were all really impressed by the work, and you should check it out because it's really impressive stuff. But for them to actually stand and talk about what they did and what they learned, amazing. And their own voice, talking about how they work through different conflicts and collaborative roadblocks and problem solving of this, that, and the other. It was the coolest thing in the world. And now like they're working together. So literally three kids, didn't know each other at all before, have their own production company.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: Doing this at 21 going around the country, doing what they were hoping to do. And they're passionate about, and they're not waiting. Yes. A couple of them are in school. One of them's not in filmmaking at all, but like they have their own production company and it's like, why not?
1: Well, you know, video is becoming more and more important. Anyway, every, you don't have to do video to, to put stuff up on film, television, or Netflix. You can do video and do corporate videos. A lot of corporations are hiring people to do videos. And I think, uh, the recent statistic that i saw about a year ago was that 75% of the american corporations are budgeting for video now in their marketing budget because that's the best thing to do so you're giving these kids a voice you're giving them confidence and and the other thing that really appeals to me just personally as as i go around the country filming in a lot of the smaller towns i see that there is no there's no A documentation of the history of the town, except for maybe some of the church groups or the women's groups that put books together with pictures. And so now you're giving, you're giving these people an opportunity to tell local stories that will become a part of this huge patchwork quilt of America and the world. And I just, I, I get excited thinking about it.
0: No, that's a beautiful analogy. The tapestry. You think about that within kind of a quilt, right? It's all of these stories that are intercut between those. And that's what we saw in St. Louis. It was absolutely phenomenal. We were able to work with the Cardinals, which is like the biggest brand, not only kind of probably in the Midwest, it's a huge brand, but also in St. Louis. I mean, it's like... Amazing, and they have a great partnership with this Mercy Hospital, which it does amazing adolescent treatment for for cancer patients. And so we were able to connect these high school kids with cancer recovery students who were just around their same age. And to hear their story, here we were virtual, we're doing it on Zoom. You wouldn't even know like literally the way that these kids were connecting was just incredible because it's their story and the kids stepped up they asked great questions they were engaged the whole time but to take that story and to understand it but then know the power of editing and what responsibilities you have is a whole nother level right so the conversations that we had with that and go okay what stood out for you totally different from one kid to the next to the next. So documenting these are really important, but going through that process and really coaching and leading students to do that, that's transformational because it changes the way they think. It changes the way they understand the responsibility of storytelling as well as their community and their part of the community and the power that they have to be able to positively impact those around them. That is social responsibility. That is giving them something with an iPhone literally and a ceremonic mic, you are good to go because they're editing there and final cut and they're turning this stuff around. We created, I think it was about 50 pieces of content in two weeks. Absolutely crazy with kids that had very little experience coming in. And that's the beauty of it. And that's where I would go. Yes. Corporate 75% totally makes sense. A hundred percent are doing social media. And you can never develop enough content to be able to satiate the audience, right? So that to me is where I focus my curriculum. It's all about social media storytelling and figuring out ways to be able to do that well. It's impacted our community here in Lake Forest Lake Bluff, which is in the Northern part of Chicago. It's amazing. Like you post video to your point and you put it in some of the different you know community groups, 3,000, 5,000 views, like a couple days. I mean, it's like the amplification is insane.
1: That's awesome <laughs> so you um, you prep with them you teach them how to shoot if they don't know and how to use the equipment so I'm assuming you have you have the iPhones and you have iographers and you have tripods and you yep. have uh, microphones whichever company you're using for for mics yep. so you're teaching them to work in teams and share responsibilities which is wonderful so they're learning all of that. And then in the post-production, you're on Final Cut. The school, I guess, buys the laptops, right?
0: Yeah, so we do. In fact, we're incredibly blessed. Um, in the classroom itself, uh, we have iMac Pros, which are just amazing. Like I never ever thought I'd, we'd actually be able to get that. <laughs> to be honest, uh, and our IT director kind of surprised me a couple years ago, and I'm like, oh my goodness, here we have gigabit like switch, and we have like everything mm-hmm. on a server, and we can just access this mm-hmm. incredibly quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but during remote, it's been it's been challenging, to be honest. Uh, we're mm-hmm. still shooting; the kids can on their phone. No matter, at least what I found is, no matter what socioeconomic group a lot of kids have iPhones it's pretty amazing and they're not they're not dumb about that right so the device you use most is the one in your pocket and so that phone uh, goodness I just you know Apple sent just a couple of weeks ago the 12 pro max to like just test out and try it oh my goodness we were doing this community-based project helping local businesses share their stories about how they're transitioning with COVID, going to takeout, sharing those community stories. So I just took it with me along with the digital SLR. I left the digital SLR in the in the car and I'm like, I am shooting with Filmic Pro. Here I am like literally rack focusing these shots and I'm like, and I'm not, <laughs> not even shooting yeah. in 10 bit like HDR here. I'm like shooting just with the phone. Yeah. It is phenomenal. So that footage, like is incredible. So yes. And I love it. The fact that Apple has made Final Cut Pro free for like 90 days. So every one of these kids can have access to that, that have a Mac at home, which is the vast majority of them, even if our school, which is Chromebook, unfortunately for now, like they have a Mac at home because they know what actually works. And so they're going to invest the money into doing that. And it's awesome. Uh, Because even with kids who are just learning Final Cut, even in a remote, It works. Uh, It's just, you know, they can get into the magnetic timeline, which I love because a lot of our work starts with narrative. So cutting those things out, you're not moving and ripple deleting. You're just, it all kind of consolidates, which works in the mindset of how kids kind of grow up, right? Not even just from iMovie to Final Cut, but just it makes sense for them, right? So they're building these assemble edits and then they're adding in B-roll and it's just starts to put the pieces together. And then they're like, yeah, I get it. I get it. And then the cool thing about remote, there's many cool things about remote, is when they're stuck, share your screen. Boom, 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 done. Like way more efficient than even the classroom. It's incredible. Or we'll have it as a whole group. And then I'll have a couple other TAs who are advanced students in my class who are mentoring. They'll go into a breakout group or just right there. Oh, yeah, use this tool. Do this, do that. It's awesome to see the collaboration, see the other kids jump in and want to help out. That's the community part of it and that's such a rich and important part of kind of what we do not only in my classroom but also summer stories as well
1: I love these kids I can't say enough about them that's it's an amazing generation
0: It is and it, they aren't going to stop they're they are bent on changing things for the better which we can all say we need <laughs> no matter what generation we're in and they want to do it uh, and they're going to do it. And so what we need to do, and as educators, we need to come alongside them. We need to not only equip them, which is honestly, I think, the easier part, but we need to just walk them through that process as many times as possible, as quickly as possible, so that they get that confidence that they need. Because they're doing it. They're doing it on TikTok poorly. They're doing it on Snapchat even worse. So let's, <laughs> let's give them guided instruction here. Can we do that? Mm-hmm. Yes, we can. And you don't have to be a teacher in a classroom. That's the cool part. Like you can mentor if you're a filmmaker, if you're a creator anywhere in the world, you can connect with the next generation and give them feedback, right? They're used to putting stuff up on YouTube and trolls jumping on there. There's opportunity, right? You can go in and give them a really thoughtful, encouraging, constructive critique just today, literally. And that would make that kid, that person, that girl in Germany, who knows what, right? Like that would make their day and you would make a lasting impact. So I feel like we, as in like the older generation have such opportunity and we really have no excuse not to.
1: No, I, I, I love it when a student says that they've, their life has changed because of something that they've learned and their family's life has changed or they're excited about it where they weren't before. I I can't imagine you're, you look so excited about what you do. I'm sure (laughs) that all these kids, you're probably like the Pied Piper. I want to be a fly on the wall (laughs) at one of your classes. Do you go over things like shot lists and prep and, and, uh, is anything that you shoot Absolutely scripted with don't. them or is it all unscripted? Is it scripted oh, no, 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 well? no.
0: We are. We're highly organized. Um, mm-hmm. But once they get into it, uh, they start to see the real reason why you do it. And that's why I say you start off constructively. Like right. they need to learn to understand the value and the usefulness of what they do. You know, we were just incredibly fortunate. We just won the All-American High School Film Festival, which is literally the top student film festival in the world. I've a. been
1: there. It's amazing. Right? It's amazing. I gave a presentation there a couple of years ago. Unbelievable. Were they in that old theater? And where is it? In, was it in Brooklyn? The old it's th- in New York. Th- yep. Is it's it exactly. in that so, beautiful theater.
0: Because of COVID, we couldn't go to New York. So they opened it up. And there were 115 schools across the world, literally, like Chinese, Taipei, American school, and like Germany, Australia, all over the US. And everyone had the same prompts. Four weeks. So we went through pre-production steps, production and post, and we did nine drafts on the post and it was all in final cut. It was absolutely incredible. But yes, I had an amazing group of seniors, 10, 11 seniors who are eight of them want to go to film school, six or eight to 10 of these. Maybe all of them will do this the rest of their lives. And they I didn't even have to push them. On the pre-production because they understood the value and they were determined because they wanted to be organized we had literally like film heads like different you know department heads and they had a whole mentoring structure it was amazing i show up to the shoot during covid like making sure everything's cool everyone's masked up everyone's engaged everyone knows exactly what's going on it was phenomenal it was so cool to be able to see that but it was all because of their organization because of their pre-production The writing drafts, I think they went through 13, 15 drafts of their scripts, which end up being about six or seven pages. Um, All the prep, makeup, you name it. It was all happening in front of us. Like a whole mini
1: production. That's awesome.
0: It was was super cool. It's really fun to watch. It's humorous. Uh, They really were thoughtful. The story is, I think, spot on. And if people disagree, let me know. I'd be happy to hear because, again, we're always making this stuff better. But it was cool to see the students really demonstrate that and to be able to create at an incredibly high level. So this isn't just, you know, the, the camera in your pocket, which I love, because that truly democratizes the process everybody can be involved in. But these kids are doing really high level stuff, like stuff that I didn't, I wasn't part of, honestly, until I was out of college. And these kids are going to go to USC to, you know, NYU, they want to go to the top film schools. But I as a teacher, that's not my goal. My goal is not to send every kid through that. Process because a it's being disrupted, but b it needs to be a fit for them, their family. The value proposition of college is questionable, so there's a lot of pathways to be able to do that. And to your point, my passion with all of this is that every single kid can tell their story to their specific audience. So that's why I created Show and Tell, which is basically on iteration ten thousand the lean startup model where I've evolved it and changed it because I've tested it about five to six thousand times with students to figure out what are their pain points which is the very beginning, like the idea, right? The blank page paralyzes us all. Where do we start? So I created a structure that works really easily and really works really well, highly customizable to teachers, to other folks to help infuse that kind of direction where, where you would like to take them. I started off with a Mad Lib like eight years ago and I realized too prescriptive. So I opened it up, made it much more accessible. And then I let them kind of run with that. And then they verbalize it. They say it out loud. And then they realize, ah, there's a difference in the way that I speak versus the way I write. I'm doing this, by the way, with uh, about 500 kids right now. So as we're going into finals, instead of the Scantron fill it out, they're going through this to talk about what they did and what they learned in their social studies class, in their science class, in new media, which is what I teach. And so they go through that and then they draft. So they send a draft. They their audio and then they add video to be able of their projects to be able to summarize their semester's worth of work. And then they just go through that for the majority of them. They're going to be doing it just during an hour and 40 minutes I have during my final. So I've got kids who've done this six, seven, eight times, and they are dynamic, really, really good. But the coolest ones are the ones from summer stories, because the kids during the last day for the last three summer stories, I have them go through this process and it's amazing. So they talk about what they did and what they learned. I knew nothing about this and now look what I did and look what you know how I, how much I learned. And I actually question that. It's not what I did. It's not a brag reel in any way. It's a very humble, honest like this is what I'm learning because we haven't learned it all. We haven't figured it out. And those stories are so compelling. And it's really rich to be able to see that and for me as an educator that almost like brings me to tears because it validates all the hard work All the effort that I put into it is for them to learn. That's what I care about. Their growth, right? It's not about the end product. It's about their process. And that, for me, is amazing.
1: You know, there's a big difference. And we ran into this when we were teaching smartphone studio here in Rancho Bernardo near San Diego. We brought elementary school kids and and high school kids. We had all ages in there, elementary, (laughs) middle, high school. and, And they all did great. They did great. They had no fear. I mean, literally, you open up Final Cut, they had never seen it before, and they're asking you questions about, well, I want this shot to go slower. What do I do? Or I want to speed it up. What do I do? Or how do I, I don't like the color in this. How can I change the color? Or, well, the audio doesn't sound really good. Can I I do something to fix it?
0: Like when they ask questions, because that's intrinsic motivation. They care so much and they want to do it. You're not going to be like, no, 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 no. You need to go back and understand what this means or something. You're like, no, no, follow them. They're passionate.
1: Yeah. But the one thing that came up was we were talking about creating a story and we were thinking beginning, middle and end, but in the new social media environment, what is a story? How do you explain to them what a story is?
0: Great, great question. So, uh I always start with a prompt because that is a really difficult question. And you know what? People have been discussing that for thousands of years, right? Like, what is the story? And sitting around campfires, I'm sure, you know, back <laughs> of years they, they were discussing that. And you can get down that rabbit hole pretty quickly. But what we talk about is what do you want your audience to think, feel, laugh, cry? How do you want to impact your audience? I was doing this today with that same group of seniors as they are starting the Senior Digital short which is like a 15 to 20 minute short film and they could literally talk about anything and here they are in remote they could be bemoaning this and saying it's the worst thing in the world but here they are working through this production process and understanding what story do they want to tell and so i go back to a lot of different things tell the story that you know right so good writing happens and starts with your own life experience and who is your audience, and how do you want them to feel at the end of this? Those are some of the foundational questions that we talk about all the time, because it is important. Um, because it's, otherwise, it's paralyzing. Like I don't know what story to tell. That's the show and tell thing, too, right? The first question is who's your audience, and then what do you want that? What do you want to communicate to them? It's not again, not about just what I think. In fact, there's you know centuries worth of content on YouTube about just whatever I want to do. Nobody watches that. Nobody engages that. Like that's just narcissistic, kind of drooling. Like people care about intentional ideas, context, giving me something that I'll remember, that you take me on a journey. you there's so many ways to go about doing it that it shouldn't be restrictive. It's quite the opposite. And, and it takes time. As you know, as I know, it doesn't just immediately come to you. You've got to iterate and you've got to kind of figure it out. But hey, Let's get rid of all the bad projects early and then get them moving along so they can iterate their their way to success.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So talk to me about homeschooling and how that's going, because a lot of people, like we were talking about earlier, a lot of people are really down on it. Yeah. Is there anything you can tell, number one, to the parents and number two, to the kids about yeah. how to make it more successful for them?
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate you bringing this up because it is a challenge. There's no doubt about it. And it's very easy to go to the negatives, right? The lack of social, socialization and the challenges of just connection and learning and going it lots of way too much screen time. Those are all true. But what I say is, A, we're in a pandemic. And let's look at history, right? This is not the bubonic plague. We haven't lost 75 million people, but we also need to be smart with that. So let's make the best of what we have, right? So let's look at the wins that we've experienced with this. A, time. And time with my family has now become something I couldn't do before. I'm a coach. I've coached soccer, both boys and girls, fall and spring, as well as club. And not having between 3.30 in the afternoon and six o'clock for me to be on a coach or on a field coaching somebody, I now have time to do this, to be able to do professional work for nonprofits in neighboring communities who couldn't do a gala this week, this summer or this winter because of COVID. But now I can help serve them. I can spend more time with my wife, my two boys and like go and do experiences. We did a lot of walks together. We'll never, ever, ever get that time back. And people always talk about, you know, what is the one thing as you look back, kids grow up so quick or families, you know, move on so quick. Now's our time to kind of reprioritize. And if you're not doing that, you should, because you can, again, look at it two different ways as an opportunity or as a cost. And so I think within education specifically, I've seen a lot of wins, Uh, primarily. uh, So I teach freshmen through seniors. Freshman year is always super awkward. Everyone remembers that, right? Coming to a new school, everyone's checking each other out and the rest. Now think about this. These freshmen are coming in and it's virtual. There's so little of the kind of like Zoom mentality of everyone checking each other out because you're on screen. And after a little bit, you just don't think about that. You focus on the teaching, the learning, the instruction and what you're doing. And what's so interesting, I talked to a local psychologist here and they said, you know what? we're seeing way less depression because the kids aren't so worried about their anxiety of just how everybody else is seeing them, how they're being perceived, specifically girls and body issues, not nearly as much because of remote. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like I am teaching like an all boys or an all girls school because there's none of that, honestly, BS of like everyone trying to figure that out. The kids themselves are super resilient. They're figuring this stuff out. They're making it happen. They can, between classes, run outside like my boys do, go on a trampoline and expend all that energy during middle school. They're not having to deal with all the drama of middle school. They can just go and get their work done and then go. My boys have gone literally to the golf course the last three or four days, 33 degrees in Chicago. They're at the golf course because they want to get outside, enjoy that for literally play two or three holes. Then they come back here and then they're ready to go. They're rocking it. And then after school, they're gone. They're out doing other things. And they're the ones making those calls. They're the ones asking that. We aren't the ones carting them from one place to the next and being on this crazy schedule. And it's really a quite an interesting thing, I think, once we step back and look at this going forward of how transformational this time is going to be. Either if you're intentional or if you're reactive, we're all going to change And so it's a matter of what are you going to do with that opportunity?
1: I think parents that are homeschooling are getting to know their children in a much more intimate way than they ever have before. I know I've had conversations with parents that are homeschooling who are telling me things like, well, I never knew my son loved science so much, right? you know? And so, yeah, it's amazing. It's just amazing. And the other thing is the siblings, because they're spending more time together they're learning how to uh, interact and yes. play. They play together more. I, th- I think the one good thing that's going to come out of COVID, if we can try to focus on the positive, yeah. the one good thing is that families are going to be closer and we're going to have more of an appreciation of the things that are really necessary as opposed to the things that we really don't need. And, and I've, I've heard a lot of people saying, I don't ever want to go back into an office I'm happy being at home. I've got dinner on the stove while I'm working.
0: Right? No? Absolutely.
1: <laughs> polarized,
0: crazy world that we're in. Like everyone can agree with that. Like if we have more time with the people who love, appreciate, and know us, then the value is going to go incredibly like from a social emotional perspective to that connectivity to people's confidence, to all the things we're talking about are going to go up. So no matter what you believe, that's a positive win for the mental health of our whole world if you're engaged in that. If you're on social media, if you're on consuming and constantly being on screens, that's a choice that then will take us down a very negative road. And then there's been some great documentaries about that. That's one choice. But if you're constructive, going back to the storytelling thing, I partnered with a local organization, community organization, and we went through that and said, hey, here's the show and tell structure. Go ahead and tell your family story. Document this history. To your point earlier, like we need to talk about, we need to document this incredible time in history. What are you doing? Where are those places around your home? Is it a kitchen table? Is it a, you know, boardroom or board game table that you guys are around the Christmas tree or outside in, you know, whatever it is. Like, where is that space? And that's a challenge. Document that. Tell that story. Go through that and give the the how and the why, and and just, it doesn't need to be perfect. But you capturing that and editing that together, if you're a creative, you need to do that. Not it's a good idea. You should do that because you will look back and you'll wish that you did. Back 20 years from now when, you know, your kids, your grandkids, whoever's asking you about this, right? It's like 9-11. When 9-11 happened, I wish I would have documented that fully so I could share that experience with my sons. They hear about it, it's a textbook, It's very kind of like stale. Every one of us has that, no matter how old you are. You wish you would have been able to give more context and more understanding to a specific seminal moment in your life. And I wish I would have done that. I have regrets around that. So I said, you know what? I'm not going to let that slide. I'm going to do that now. And again, I think that's a great challenge for everybody.
1: I have footage that I shot actually hanging out. I almost got arrested for this. But I was hanging outside of the window, which I do anyway. I hang onto to the, the bar and I open the window and I'm shooting outside the window of the Pentagon after the plane had hit. And yeah. um, there were all kinds of security and police around and they made me get back in the car. But I do have some footage, wow. some footage of it. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, but I think, you know, the next generation is going to have this wealth of stories. I wish we could clone you <laughs> and just send you out everywhere. You, We have to figure out a way to to uh, introduce you to even more students across the world because I, I think you're bringing them something that's incredibly valuable.
0: Well, you know and what? You- I, I appreciate that. But also, that's my hope with show and tell is I want to create a scalable way for everybody mm-hmm. to identify their story and to be able to share that and you do it through video. And there's a few great video apps, very few, I think, real intuitive, great story apps. And so that's my hope with it is that we can liberate that because I love this. This week I've been going through with my students as they've been reflecting on what they've learned this semester. And I'm just like through the moon. I'm like, this is why I do it. Like this, to hear this kid go, you know what? I found in this class what I want to do the rest of my life. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, I don't care who you are like that makes your day. And that gives you the fuel to kind of push through the challenges. But also with this, I've been thinking long and hard about these kids that I have in Chicago summer stories, perfect example, like their class, their media class at their school got shut down just because they're like, I don't know how we can do it. We're just going to, we're very traditional broadcast. We don't have all the access. We're just going to shut it down. And I'm like, I literally reached out. I'm like, what time are you open during the day? Like jump on my, you know, my Google meet. And like, if only we're a couple of years down the road and everybody's cool with that, and da, 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 like legalities and all the other stuff that gets in the way, like, why not? Like, why couldn't we connect? And that's really the goal of Summer Stories is to be able to do that. So we're in Chicago, built to St. Louis, huge success. But we want to push this around all around the whole country. There's a lot of incredible Apple distinguished educators who are passionate about this, as well as other folks who would love to facilitate this. And that's one of my hopes, is that we can kind of lay the groundwork of that to be able to kind of give access, um, because each community has their own stories to tell. And they have plenty of youth who want to do it, right? And so it's just matching up. And we have a, a pretty cool little scalable process, a couple weeks two, three weeks. You partner locally. You have educators who are like firmly engaged. Apple is leading the way, trying to make this work, trying to expand this. It's been amazing. OWC jumped on and they were like, you guys don't have access to laptops. Like we'll send you laptops. We're like, amazing. Literally Apple couldn't because of COVID. They sent every single kid a MacBook Pro so that they could then download Final Cut and they could put this whole entire thing together. It was like... Yeah. You, I mean, it was one of those moments where I'm like, still, I have like, my hair like raises up, like how cool, because you have so many incredible companies that are doing great innovative things, but they just, they want to help out. And especially now, like they want to step up and do that. And that's what it's all about. We can all do a little bit to be able to help the next generation understand and leverage the the power of storytelling to really change their lives.
1: I see OWC doing that a lot. Larry O'Connor really, when he makes a commitment, he makes a commitment and he's got a very big heart. And I think it's wonderful that they're doing that. And that's actually how we met through OWC. So amazing. Um, and just yeah. to
0: begin you know, in their heart for yeah. Chicago. I mean, they're just here locally and they can see the the way that this is changing. Students from CPS. We worked with the Kerry Wood Foundation this summer, and we have kids in the West Side, Lawndale. And it's, I went down there and it is incredibly sad. It truly is mm-hmm. uh, of how that community has been left behind in so many ways. And to go down there and to be able to walk in with a laptop and with, it, with like iPads and be like, here, this is a device that literally you can capture. And here's this, the process of telling your story that then you can do all the way forward. And that's the, that's the seed. That's the beginning of this, right? And that's what we need more of or people like Larry who get it and have yeah. a heart, and want to really make yeah. a dynamic difference in our cities, in our areas.
1: We have replaced painting on cave walls, and we have these tiny little things that we can carry all over the world, and we can tell our stories, and uh, in the process, let people know how precious they are, and how precious their stories are, and get rid of the fear of gear, and get rid of the fear of telling your story, and be inspired by people like you that spend their whole lives doing this. I think it's wonderful. I do hope show and tell goes just viral worldwide. Anything that we can do to help, I can do to help. Let me know. I think it's it's great.
0: You know what? I, I really appreciate you saying that because each one of us can help make this thing happen. And you interviewing people, you sparking imagination, you helping tell helping people tell their stories. And you do a great job of that, just thinking about really thoughtful questions. And that just motivates everybody. Again, mm-hmm. listening to your work, it's like I'm inspired, right? And that's oh, what we need. You. need, more of that. And to be able to access that, there's no more restrictions on that right so it's really about creating really good content um no matter who you are and where you are and if you have this gift that you clearly do to be able to inspire others to do that is what it's really all about
1: where can people go now to learn a little bit more about all of this
0: uh yeah no i would point people you can google i think is the is the easiest way right so check out chicago summer stories check out st louis summer stories uh we're on social we're on the web. Uh, It's easy to kind of like build that out just to kind of understand the power of where that is. Uh, LFHS New Media is where my program is. You can kind of see if you're an educator to kind of see a little bit more about what direction that's going. Um, Repeat
1: that name again.
0: LFHS, which is Lake Forest High School, and then New Media, uh, which is funny because it used to be called Telecom, which I think you'll appreciate. And everyone's like, what's Telecom? And they're (laughs) like... (laughs) <laughs> like it's not voice and data transfer, don't worry. And then show and tell, it's show with a letter in tell. So if you are interested, uh, reach out. Um uh, my email, Steve Douglas at gmail. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes as well, just to you know, reach out because I love working collectively with educators uh, and getting that word out and customizing this experience for them. I'm in schools all over Chicago, all over the country. There are folks in all around the world using this to be able to help students tell their story.
1: And that's Steve Douglas with two S's on the end yes. at Gmail.
0: My mom would be very upset. My dad would be very <laughs> upset We have one S. Yep.
1: <laughs> well, Steve, I know it's dinner time there. I know you've taken some time out of your day to, to be with us. Keep on doing what you're doing and bring us more stories of the wins and the kids that you're inspiring. Always love to hear that. And the other thing I love about it is I know I get asked all the time when I travel, do I have to move to L.A.? Or New York, in order to be successful. And I always tell people, no, you don't. And now there's no choice, but maybe it will prove that there are viable stories and interesting stories and inspiring stories everywhere. And people like you are making it happen. Well,
0: thank you. And I really appreciate that. And, you know, you mentioned success, and I think it's such an important thing because. Here I am in Lake Forest, which is a very hard-charging, very affluent culture that is very driven. And so that comes up all the time. What is success? And I've asked my students that, right? Because their definition is very different oftentimes than their parents. And from one generation to the next. And so I actually have my students ask that whenever we have a guest speaker, whenever it is. Because everybody has a different definition of what that success really means, right? But the beauty of this is there's more opportunity now than ever to explore that. And so what I encourage kids to do is find success in that process, like iterate, figure it out and just get as much done as you can. And again, they I don't have to tell them that they're already doing it, right? They're already creating their YouTube channel when they're four, six, eight, whatever it is, right? And they're pushing everything out. And so more so it's just kind of harnessing all of that creative energy into going to where they're. Truly uniquely made, right? And that's the story process. And I'm so glad you you made a mention of that, is just truly the heart level, the identity level. Like, how are you uniquely made? How are you uniquely wired? How do you think? How are your different experiences that you've had in your life come together to be able to give you a sense of understanding of who you are, an empathy, a love for others and around you, and whatever that might be, and use that to be able to make the world better. Like that's. What we need more of, especially again in this divisive, very divided world, we need humans who are looking beyond that and thinking selflessly and serving other people. And to use that and use your gifts to that goal and that end is really what success is all about. No matter how much money you make, no matter what all of that looks like. And by the way, that's all being disrupted right now and will be in the next five, 10 years. And so that success can't be a bumper sticker from a college that you've looked at and wanted to say, oh, if that's it, then I'm successful. There's so many people who are billionaires who feel like they're empty and aren't successful. Those measures don't work. It comes down to your heart, your mind, your understanding of using your gifts that you uniquely have. And that's why I'm a teacher. I never wanted to be a teacher, but it's one of those things I identified and go, you know what? This comes naturally to me, and is something that I kind of enjoy. At the end of the day, I I really enjoy giving back by connecting the dots for kids. I'm not the one sage on the stage telling them all to do this, that, and the other thing, and I'm not that traditional teacher. And I think there's a lot of room for more people like that in education. And that's one of my goals, is to inspire other people to get into education who wouldn't otherwise see that. But if you're willing to help serve other people, well, we just need a lot more people to be successful in that way, too.
1: A joyous life well lived. That's our legacy. That's what you're doing. And I also want everybody watching or listening. Remember what I always say, get up off your chair and go do something wonderful today, even if it's in your own home.
0: Love
1: it. So that's your assignment. Steve, thank you. Have a really nice evening. And thanks to OWC for sponsoring this show so that I can talk to amazing people doing amazing things. Take care. All right. Take care. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.